episode 45 of Beers, Business, and Balls, presented by Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Today is Wednesday, March 17th. Happy St. Paddy's Day, everybody. We've got some some corned beef cooking. Uh, by the time we run this interview, we'll probably have been able to eat it, which is very nice. I'm very excited for sure. Um, we get to eat like shit, and we get to watch college basketball this week. I say, all things considered, not a bad week here in March. Yeah, this is March. It's what we didn't get last year, so looking forward to celebrating St. Patrick's Day, kind of. I mean, not really, not like what we normally do, but we get the college basketball out of it, so I'll take that as a win. People forget that we started this. I think you brought it up a couple of days ago. We started this podcast, and one of the first things we talked about was... March Madness. What the bracket would have been if we had a March Madness, because we did not get it last year. And that's what launched the BBB podcast. That was literally just two jamokes with shitty headsets talking about what would have been. It's pretty tough to follow, honestly. I mean, still kind of <laughs> shitty that they didn't give us a bracket to at I least know. do a what if. We kind of just ran down over Zoom. No idea what we wanted to talk about, but that was the initial journey. And I mean, it's March 17th right now as this episode drops. What was the initial one? April... Probably a month away. I think it was April 13th. Yeah, a month away. So one year. Time flies. Every time I'm done listening to our weekly episode, it pops up at the end. Like Spotify will just keep playing it and the first episode will come up. And I'm like, holy shit. So I think April 13th is like ingrained into my head. That's embarrassing if it's not too, because what the hell am I thinking if if it's not? But I'm really excited. Uh, we're, we're getting there. We are seven episodes away from basically a full year. April 7th. April 7th? April Fuck. 7th. I knew it. That's all right. But yes, a <laughs> few episodes away from a full year. Coming on to the 52, we have a lot of guests coming up in the pipeline, a lot of new information about the podcast, mm-hmm. the blog's going crazy. New um, shit that we can hook you up with. Yeah. Discounts, possibly. Some more video content, some gambling content, some stuff in the future. It's been a, it's been a quite the journey, and we couldn't do it without you. So we appreciate you, and I guess it's the perfect opportunity to cheers you as well. Yes, it is. You want to go first? We had some good beer um, going into the beer segment. Well, good might be a a little bit of a stretch. Fair. It was was average beer. Uh, We went to New Hampshire this weekend and up near Loon Mountain. So very large amount of beers or breweries per capita up there. So that was naturally a place we thought to explore. Yeah, and I mean, we still have a lot of beers in the fridge when we stopped at the... uh, liquor distributor like the huge one the big tourist New Hampshire trap. liquor and wines oh yeah. we've got to talk about that to yeah. start right well we'll start with that yeah me or you I mean <laughs> you wanted to bring it up all right fine New Hampshire liquor and wines I mean if, if you're from New Hampshire like why didn't you let me know about this first of all um biggest tourist trap in the entire world but it's those big liquor stores that are off the highway like right off the highway right off 93 And you can get wine, you know, vodka, spirits, all that stuff in in one side of the store. But on the other side, it's like a general store and they have all the craft beer you can imagine. So, I mean, it definitely wasn't the biggest selection of craft beer compared to, you know, compared to the liquor and wine. I mean, there was probably 30 lanes, 30 aisles of booze and 
it was just incredible. I mean, it was from $5 to $5,000, the range of liquor. And so they had just a huge variety of stuff, stuff all over the country, all over the world. I mean, I spent a pretty penny on on whiskey, which I'm looking forward to doing some more reviews in the near future. But the beer side, I mean, there was definitely a wide variety of selections and we definitely picked up some, but kind of disappointed in what they had. It was definitely not as, you know, for all the breweries they have in the area, they weren't showcasing all of them. There was more Vermont stuff than New Hampshire stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think it was a mix of stuff that we've already had because they distribute it fairly well down here and just like commonplace stuff. And yeah. they also had, you know, the common man beer, which is their brand. You know, the common man kind of operates out of New Hampshire liquor and wine. Um, would I go back? Yes, because everything was dirt cheap. I don't think we pay taxes on it, right? No taxes, no taxes, but what a wild place that exists in our America, New Hampshire. I mean, it, can't, it cancels out for gas being $3 a gallon. So, <laughs> You know, you yeah, pick, like you, pick you pick and yeah. choose your battles, but overall initial rea- initial thoughts of New Hampshire beer, it was fine. I mean, we didn't travel for the beer; we traveled for uh, to get away, to hang out with some friends. But it was fine. You know, I was more impressed with some of the Vermont stuff we've had. Uh, obviously, the main stuff too, but nothing nothing truly to write home about. I guess the big milestone out of the trip was I officially hit the thousandth beer on Untapped. Yeah, congratulations. One thousand beers, logged in, reviewed, wrote a blog about it. Wish it was a better beer, but it's all right. The beer that I drank, or the beers that I drank that I'll be covering, is from One Love Brewery in Lincoln, New Hampshire. Uh, pretty much in the smack dab of the middle of the ski town. It was in a very cool area. There was a winery in there. There was a couple shops in there. One Love seemed to have a very good menu. The atmosphere was cool. Yeah, we didn't eat there, which We sucked. didn't eat there, but I, you'll talk about the brewery that we did eat yeah. at that had great food. Couldn't understand their vibe. Couldn't get the read. There was too many, so you walked in, and it was very like earthy, crunchy in the beginning. It had a bunch of like fake plants or real plants and like a very <laughs> modern know if they were very, fake or real yeah, a very modern logo and then you walk in and it looks like a ski lodge and they're going with like the german vibe they have a lot of german beers but then they had a bunch of like hawaiian themed stuff and their food was just all over the map and then they had a full bar with cocktails it was just didn't really understand what their vibe was their social media and their websites just don't correlate and that kind of just like throws me off and they didn't have any descriptions on the beer you didn't really know what you were drinking it was just like wheat beer okay and yeah, i wonder just like, what it was they had that big chalkboard in the back and it was just like all right this is a, a lager yeah nice okay so what else <laughs> it was definitely thrown off but neither here nor there the beer that was my a thousandth was their marzen festival german style beer um had that rich color, brought you right back to Germany. Uh, very nice, festive red ale. Had some spices, had some caramel nodes. It was solid. I mean, it was definitely, wasn't the best Marzen beer I had, wasn't the worst. They, you know, they stick to the bread and butter with all these German beers. They're not, they're very straightforward. You know, that wheat taste, they're light, they're not too heavy. Uh, you can drink a few of them. I gave it a 375. Um, they... Didn't knock my socks off, but they did very well for American breweries making that German style. I think 
for, and it's weird because we just kind of not trashed them, but we gave them a weird review. It was just weird. weird. It was just weird. And for the beer to still come in at a three seven five, I think is actually really good. Right? For yeah. that kind of vibe that we got and that feeling that we had. I mean, that's a like that's better than what I thought it'd be, to be honest with you. I mean, out of all the beers I had there, I think we had six. Six Yeah, beers. the flights came in six, six. And that's that's another thing that I am a little thrown off with with the pre-selected flights, you know, when you don't have the ability to choose your own beer, and I get it. Well you know, it was they a, want it was a pre-selected flight, but they only had seven beers on tap. That was weird. So like why yeah. couldn't you just throw the last one on there and just make it a seven just do a hey, for fifteen bucks you can try all these beers. <laughs> Somebody got a probably a deal like, hey, we've got these six plank uh these yeah. six flight planks <laughs> i mean it was just or only brew i don't know it was just it was like we said weird weird yeah. weird weird because if i if the beer was so great i would have tried that last beer yep and i think out of the other five i gave it between a three and a three five the margin was yeah. the best the, i felt was the best out of them all the I, stout yeah. was getting there or it wasn't really a stout it was no, it was a stout. No, it was a stout. And they also had a dark ale too. Was that the right? Maybe we, it we might be mixing dark, our places. Yeah. I don't even know anymore. But the Marzen was, I just thought, was the better one. Maybe it been a little bit of a hype that it was my thousandth beer. Maybe it wasn't. I just enjoyed that one out of them all. But overall experience, I'll, I'll knock it as a three out of five. Yeah, I think so too. One Love Brewery in Lincoln, New Hampshire. Um, go and try it out. Yeah, that's the best uh, thing we could do. I did like the vibe inside because it was a sports bar almost. You know, it was which was we, another thing. It was like a sports bar, ski lodge, Hawaiian theme. What the fuck? German style. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different things in that place. Um, to switch it up, we, the the place we started at was Woodstock Inn Brewery. Uh, that was right down the road in Lincoln, New Hampshire, as well. Woodstock Inn distributes a ton. We've had Woodstock Inn beer. We've had the that papaya ale, um, among a few other things. And I'll shout out the stout because it is still stout season and I know I'm going to start reviewing stouts in like fucking June. So might as well get ahead of the curve here. Um, I had an oatmeal stout. Paige actually told me that I should, that I'd probably like it. So um, glad Paige knows my taste in beer better than I do at this point because I actually did kind of enjoy it. Um, it's called Old Man Oatmeal Stout. Very light stout. It's a creamy and unfiltered oatmeal stout with roasted and black patent malts shining through. Complex, medium to dry palate with a bittersweet finish. Um, to me, that basically means on the smoother side, but also on the lighter side. Um, not typically how I like my stouts. I like them with a little uh, thickness, but it actually presented pretty thick uh, for being such a light stout because of that oatmeal backdrop. Um, only, you know, less than five and a half percent. We were in an igloo at Woodstock Inn, which made me feel uh, a little bit better about this beer. I just got good vibes while I was drinking it. Uh, one of those igloos, because we went outside, uh, we were going to get seated inside, and then they go, oh yeah, you know, uh, we can seat you outside. So we hopped out and went into an igloo free of charge. Don't get that shit in Providence. You're paying like 100 bucks to get in one of those. Um, good food. I think it paired really nicely with the short rib tacos that I had. Um, 375. No more than that. Yeah. That's my recap on New Hampshire beers. I did not give a single one a four, I no. think. No, I, I did not. I gave that a 375 and the papaya one a 375 as well. Yeah, and those, that's it. those two in the Marsons for me. Um, I bought a maple porter from there 
I saw that. It was one of those beers that I guess I just overlooked on the menu. Um, so I bought it at their store. Curious to try that. It kind of intrigued me. They had like a honey wheat beer that was decent. Uh, the papaya was good. They had a red ale that was called Snow Goggles. That was decent. But yeah, I mean, another brewery that just 3-5, middle of the road, you know, you'll go there. The beer's fine. They had good food. The atmosphere was nice. Nothing more than that. Like yep. it, it was for me, um, compared to other places we've been up in, I guess you better northern, beer. northern New England. Right. Yes. Northern New England. Yes. We're going to call it that. The north. Uh, Canada. <laughs> you know, it's not It's not like Portland beers. It's not like Vermont beers. I don't even think it comes close to Portland. No. No. Um, and that kind of sucks. I was disappointed um, that it wasn't as good as Portland. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I will go back to New Hampshire and I will have their beer yeah. until the cows come home until I don't live in New England anymore. I would. I will do that every winter that I live here. And I won't have any regrets. Well, they have what? It's like Granite Roots is in New Hampshire. Um, oh, shit. There's a ton. There's a ton. White Birch, I believe it's called. I don't know. There's a lot of New Hampshire breweries. But, I mean, even a lot in Vermont, too. Um, there's a really good one. Is Alchemist up there? Fuck. Alchemist is in Vermont. Alchemist is That's in Vermont. Smutty Nose is Smutty a Nose. big yeah, one. Smutty they Nose. do, like, Mysterious Haze, which has grown yeah. to be one of the most popular IPAs in New England. Um, Stone Face is Yeah, Stone Face is another one in New Newington. Yeah. So we missed some of the bigger ones, but, I mean, again. Spyglass is Spyglass. I don't know. Yeah, White Birch. Tuckerman. That's a huge one. Concord Craft. Yep. Ebenezer, I haven't heard of that. Henniker is definitely a popular one. Northwoods is a popular one. We'll have to give New Hampshire beers another go around. We will, and we're going to have to go around Nashua, like uh, Portsmouth, and say South. And that's New Hampshire beer. Cheers. I thought that was a good analysis of New Hampshire beer, actually. It was probably the most thorough we've been in any beer market as we've been doing this I show. I mean, we need to be a little bit more thorough in the beer. It's the first part. I feel like sometimes we brush by it when we don't have a beer guest, which we do. I get. But maybe we we'll, need more beer guests. We need more beer guests. We are going to start hopefully talking to some brewers more, some um, some local business owners that deal in beer in Rhode Island. I think all of them would probably fit. Uh, if you guys have a recommendation, please drop us a note, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you can find us. On to business, and uh, this is something we have to start not doing anymore too. We didn't even introduce the guests, of course. <laughs> I did not tell our people who we have this week. It's college basketball season, so... Who else but the best and most hilarious Twitter personality in the college basketball world, Captain Xavier. Cap is with us for a very funny discussion. Cap's a real good dude, uh, and he carved out a lot of time for us. Uh, along with Sam Basil, our, one of our own, uh, did a kick-ass job of covering the A-10 and New York City hoops this year. Great conversation. I think we did probably an hour with them, which is very cool, so stick with us. We'll go to business first. The Red Sox, LeBron James, and Maverick Carter, I guess, have contributed $6 million to buying a minority share of Fenway Sports Group. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> Where is this coming from, and why the fuck is it Boston, LeBron? I mean, I love that, you know, the pictures that no one was really giving him any credit. They were just throwing the pictures of him with the, all the Yankee cat. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just yeah. hilarious. But, I mean, this is the new era of you know the sports leaders in our in our country the money in sports is ridiculous now 
and they're trying to figure out their best way to invest this money. And you have guys like Pat Mahomes invest in the Royals and you have, you know, a lot of um, just business endeavors by whether it's basketball players or football players, you know, Russell Coons doing the Bitcoin, like there's so many just different innovative ways. And it was just a matter of time where guys, you know, these leaders in sports want to contribute in a positive manner and be owners of different sports franchise. Why the Red Sox? I have no idea. So I'm reading up a little bit, and he was a Liverpool guy. He owned a little bit of Liverpool back in the Which day. Which makes sense then with Fenway Sports Group. Right, but that was when they didn't even own it, I guess. So they sold it off to FSG, and that was probably his way in the door. So he invested... $6.2 million in 2011 in Liverpool, and that stake, which is literally less than 2%, is worth $52 bucks now. Yeah. So I get it. That's another angle of, like, how can I monetize sports without playing in it, and how can I set myself up to, to make even more money than when I did play? I mean, that shit, that, that looks like a really good avenue to do that for LeBron. What was the percentage he bought? It was low. I don't even think they gave it out. It was 2% of Liverpool back in the yeah. day. I don't know that they, they didn't say. Yeah. I'm just curious what the numbers look like. Well, the socks are worth $3 billion bucks. I don't know. So, all right, I'm reading this from CNBC here. The publication notes, James and Maverick Carter are the first two black owners with an FSG. That's also a big, big focal point here. Um, FSG is valuing itself at over $6 billion bucks. So there's another, like, basically the Red Sox are worth half of that and... FSG in total is worth $6 billion. And what so, are the rest of their entities? So it's like Nesson? Uh, I don't think they own Nesson. They don't own Nesson? No. It's not like the Yankees where the Yankees own the majority stake in Nesson. Uh, and yes, well, I don't know that they do anymore actually now. But they own a lot of the properties around Fenway. Right. They own like a few of the bars and restaurants and shit. And they're, the, they're funding the, um, what is it, that development right outside of it too. So... I don't know. This is a surefire way to make money because John Henry knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely just a money ploy. There's not going to be any, you know, this could be the first step for LeBron in, you know, one day owning a franchise, you know, trying to be like Michael Jordan. And, you know, I don't I don't know what M Michael Jordan's stake is in the Hornets. It's a lot more than what LeBron has. Well, no, I mean, he's obviously enough to be, you know, the president of basketball right. operations or whatever his title may be. It's the first step, um, but it won't be the last from athletes there's going to be a lot of athletes trying to reinvest in teams, whether it's soccer or just leagues they're not in, uh, just to get to their foot in the door. And LeBron has more money than God. I mean, he has a, <laughs> what, lifetime billion-dollar contract with Nike? Something like that. And they, they do own Nesson, by the way. They, they yeah. own 80% of it. I thought they didn't. So, interesting move, but very funny that all the Yankee memes are just coming up that I love he's it. a Yankees fan. Keep him coming. LeBron's a Yankees fan. But That's like a we... Cowboys fan and he plays for the Lakers. Yeah, whatever. It's like the stereotypical like America's team guy. And then when the Indians go back to, or sorry, the Cleveland yeah. baseball team as of this year uh, goes back to the World Series at some point, he's he's going to be a, a fan of that team again. Yeah. And a Browns fan. Mm -hmm. A young LeBron fan. Is he boys fan. with Odell still? He's boys with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. I suppose he is. In other business news, we I feel like we talk about... Well, we actually haven't talked about Tesla in at least a few weeks, which has got to be some kind of record for us. Elon Musk went to the SEC because 
Tesla being the wildly volatile publicly traded company that they are. He has to go to the Securities Exchange Commission and report this, but he's got a new job. And when you told me this, I'm like, what the fuck? What's this new job? He just changed his title from the CEO to the Techno King. He is the Techno King of Tesla, and he took his CFO right down with him as the master of coin. What on earth is going on at Tesla? He's a meme. He is a meme. I mean, the breakdown is just so like Tesla's only marketing is pretty much his Twitter. And the same with like, I, yeah. spa- is it SpaceX? Yeah, is SpaceX. That, yeah. They, they, like, their only marketing is just Elon tweeting. And anytime Elon tweets about Dogecoin, Dogecoin goes up. So any anything, he, I mean, he's capturing the market right now of the retail investors, the retail bros. And he's just like, I'm your techno king, invest money in Tesla, and it's just going to shoot up. And I mean, we were just joking about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, Tesla's stock is like kind of really down right now. It's down like, you know, 15% this past month, like, you know, after the split and everything and yada, yada, yada. But then we look at the year the year to date. Yeah, I looked at you and I'm like, what the fuck? It's 620% up. So like, obviously like it's still a very good stock and a very good company and there's a bright future ahead. But Elon Musk is just, nothing nothing surprises me. I mean, he named his son X-Ash 12. I think it was X-Ash 13. Whatever it is. I mean, he named his son with numbers. Have some respect for, for Mr. Musk. He is an interesting fella and he is now our techno king and... I mean, he's going to make like NFTs and make billions off NFTs and just he's going to create his own Tesla coin or Techno King coin. That's where it gets really weird, though, because with all this talk about NFTs, which we talked a lot with Adam White last week, but what's stopping him from just being like, screw it, I'm going to make an NFT that's not related to Tesla or SpaceX at all, and I'm going to make billions of dollars off of it so I can buy a shit ton of Bitcoin and tweet it out. They bought... $1.5 $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin recently. Like Tesla's money, their profits, they bought Bitcoin. Yeah. That's a just, lot of Bitcoin. Which is why the stock is one of the reasons why it's so volatile. Because um, it's basically Bitcoin. It's basically Bitcoin. <laughs> it's funded all in Bitcoin, pretty much. Speaking of Bitcoin, I don't like how all of these like athletes and influencers just have Bitcoin in their Twitter bios. I know. Because that makes... Are like, they investors? Are they... Like what? What does that mean? What is that? What do you? What do? What do they know that we don't? That they're just throwing Bitcoin in their bio. Like, do I have to throw Bitcoin in my bio just to say like, hey, I'm I'm in there? Remember like just, when we thought it was too high in 2020 at nine thousand bucks? It's fifty five grand now. I don't have any regrets. I don't. I mean, I definitely do. I don't because it's one <laughs> it, of those. It's a shitty way to look at investing too. You know, even back then, like, what were we? juniors in college like i'm not gonna put my life savings oh yeah 2018 imagine if you as a junior in college in 2018 when it peaks at 19 grand and then like a year later it goes down to three grand you've got to be freaking out at that yeah, point yeah it's like and that's the whole like obviously you hear all those success stories of people taking risks and yada 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 i'd rather be more conservative and and safe with the money and just invest what i'm willing to lose like nine thousand right, right. bucks is like a college kid just had a couple internships no under the belt. Way. No, no, I'm not taking that chance. That's a huge stretch now. And again, oh I'm not God. investing in stuff I don't understand it. And like three years later, I still don't understand Bitcoin. Yeah. Like, even now, I mean, you obviously, like, none of us are in a situation where we can drop a full Bitcoin. 
Like, no. and just be like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. If it goes back down to 10 grand, I'm fine. Like, no, that's, yeah. you've got to think most of, like, if people have that kind of money laying around, they sure as shit do not want to put it in Bitcoin. No. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care how I much money you have. I still think crypto's a bubble. I don't know. Not with these NFTs, man. That's worse bubble. It could be. It's one of those things that's going to blow... Or it's going to be, yeah, there's, you know what, it's probably going to blow. Yeah. But we have yet to see the peak by far. There's good, there are a lot of good days to come before pad days. I will buy Bitcoin when it hits $10,000. You want to be held to that? I will. If it goes back down to 10, you got me in at a Bitcoin. Okay. Fair enough. I'll buy some with you. Just one full Bitcoin? One full Bitcoin. Fuck, I got to start saving up. One full Bitcoin, $10,000. The day it happens, you owe me to it. And then well, I hope it shoots back up to like a million. Yeah. I hope my five hundred dollars in Dogecoin goes up to a, a dollar. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, maybe we'll just buy some Dogecoin or some shit. It all nothing makes sense anymore. It and doesn't. That, not even that. Uh, the the Dogecoin that I thought made sense is no longer. Just not there. I hate crypto. <laughs> I hate all of the shit so much because I don't understand it. And that's crypto. That's crypto with a BBB pod. We've got two more Bs for you this week. Bracket breakdown in the balls segment. So beers, business, balls, bracket breakdown. Uh, Captain Xavier is here with us. Sam Basil is here with us. We have a lot of fun things we talked about. Cap is very sad because... Xavier got bounced by Butler, and they declined the NIT option. If they even got a bid, I don't even know what it is. But So they got bounced. We discuss our initial reactions to the bracket. Uh, we talk about which number one seed has the easiest path to the Final Four. So keep that in mind when you're picking some upsets. Um, we give our bracket buster picks, the traditional sleepers, and then our psycho picks. I loved that segment. That was fun. Um, and then we finish with Caps Mount Rushmore of college basketball Twitter personalities, which I thought was very good. I think he should be in that too. He's, he's in there for me. So let's dive right into it. Get those brackets out. Get a pencil because you will be erasing a lot of shit if you're filling it in while you're listening to us. So here is Captain Xavier and Sam Basil. All right, everybody, with us this week, we have a twofer, two for one, a uh, couple college basketball personalities joining the show. First off, we have Captain Xavier, currently not in Ohio. He's actually down in Kentucky, but Captain Xavier joins the show talking about some biggies, hoops, college basketball as a whole. And then we have our very own House Enterprise blogger, Sam Basil, A10 Talk, Fordham Pride, uh, and he can, I guess, talk about Fordham if he wants to. I mean, there's a head coach there, yeah. but you know, <laughs> and then obviously we have us here that we enjoy Providence Friars and Bryant basketball. So I guess one thing that we all have in common is none of our teams are in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So kind of disappointing, but congratulations, boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cap, how you doing? Hey, great fellas. Happy to be here. Best time of the year. Can't wait. Can't wait for Fordham to come to the big East. I'm just hyped. This is March, baby. This is March, and the Big East is a four-bid league. We'll talk about that later, Um, but what a wild year overall. Um, Wild year for none other than the Fordham Rams, uh, who have been an absolute dumpster fire of college basketball. So with that, Sam Basil, good afternoon. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess a dumpster fire would be a decent way to describe Fordham's season this year. I mean... It's not like we were really expecting them to go that far. I mean, it could have could have been a lot better than two and eleven, but you know what? Out of 
out of everything that happened, out of all every single score that that finished, you know, I think the biggest positive is, you know, this now ongoing head coach search. Uh, yeah, I mean, you make a joke, Cap, you made a joke about Fordham coming to the Big East, but I mean, I really think, you know, things are looking up for the Rams. It's going to be a, this is a hot seat. It's an old program, a classic program. And so, I mean, I am maybe throwing a little bit of a pitch out there to anybody listening, but you know, I think this is going to be a great <laughs> so, spot to be in the next couple of years. I think a good word for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've heard rumors that the, the Fordham search is going to come down to Jared Grosso and Cap. So, yeah. yeah, I've been hearing, I've been hearing Cap's name float around a lot. So good luck, man. You've got it on good word too. So I don't know if Cap, they might have to pay you way more than the asking price for that. Yeah, my March Madness 10 for Xbox, man. I mean, I'm in 21 strong seasons before I got Red Ring of Death. So <laughs> I'm happy to throw my name in the hat there for sure. I guess Cap. So, you know, coming back to Xavier, tell us, you know, what happened. I mean, I want to just hear from, a, from the man oh, himself, God. the guy who is the captain of Xavier's Twitter. You know, you guys started off hot and then just kind of collapsed. You know, what went down? Let's talk depression, boys. So Xavier looks really good to start the season, man. I mean, we had a lot of pieces and a lot of new new things that had to come together. Fremantle was clicking. Nate Johnson was awesome. And uh, the huge disappointment, obviously, being Kiki Tandy, who transferred out today. Um, but we looked really good, man. That huge win against Oklahoma, who was like eight in the country. Now they're getting an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, but it was the COVID pauses, man. And uh, and I think that's an excuse. You know, but at the same time, I think it, it is what it is. There were definitely some collapses as well. But they just weren't the same team when they came back. I think we played two games in 40 days at one point two or three games in 40 days uh, I think we came into the Big East 11 and two um, and finished the season like three and seven something along those lines um, lost some close ones and uh, just didn't just didn't have the juice just not quite enough um, to get over the hump there at the end and man we had I think four or five opportunities where you kind of feel like if you win you're probably going to lock just couldn't couldn't lock one down man pretty brutal um, especially losing Nate Johnson really really hurt he was definitely our third best player behind Scruggs and Fremantle but that's college basketball, man, and Steele's got to gotta figure it out because the uh, <laughs> fan base ain't happy. Twitter's not been super fun, so uh, kind of blocking out the X right now, but uh, the DMs are not fun. Other than you guys, uh, <laughs> DMs have not been super so fun. So Xavier comes in, and you just made a great point. They had two sophomores that, you know, I was very high on, and Fremantle, who, um, you know, our good buddy John Fanta adores. Um, <laughs> he adores Zach Fremantle. And then Kiki Tandy was another one that was, you know, supposed to be this, this splash this year and really turn people on their heads. And all of a sudden he's coming off the bench. I was baffled to see that transpire. What happened with him and why wasn't he as good as everyone said he was going to be? Yeah, that was tough. I mean, to be real with you, I mean, he just wasn't bringing it mentally on the defensive end. I mean, the dude's an absolute bucket, no question. But this is a very unselfish team, and uh, a lot of that's what kind of Travis Steele's recruiting right now. You look at Colby Jones, Dewan Odom, uh, all of our freshmen are very, very team-oriented. And Kiki Tandy, it, it, he's awesome, super talented, but he's an ISO player. Like, he likes to get buckets on his own, kind of a ball stopper. Um, and nothing against him. He's the best scorer we have on the roster, um, had on the roster. Um, but he scored, I think, an average of 21, 22 points a game to start the season, the first three, four or five games, um, but just was a parking cone on defense, bro. Like was not even, I don't even know what he was thinking about. I don't know if it was like SpongeBob running around in his head. Like, what's my name? Like, it was just, I don't know what dude was thinking about out there, but he was not thinking about defense. I promise you that. Um, <laughs> and, and also to Adam Kunkel getting, getting eligible a year early. Um, and Adam Kunkel played his played his ass off I forgot I could cuss he played his ass off this year and uh, we had a crowded backcourt with him Nate Johnson Kiki Tandy uh, you know uh, CJ Wilcher Colby Jones Dwan Odom it was a crowded backcourt Paul Scruggs um, 
And honestly, you know, I don't think the staff was expecting Conquer to be eligible and, it, you know, someone was going to get boxed out and it was, you know, Duan not paying, playing defense. I'm sorry, Kiki not playing defense. And before we move on from Xavier too, Ben Stanley, we got to talk about him. I'm sorry if yeah. he's eliciting bad memories here, but <laughs> it's a tough year. How did transfer? He comes in. It's a big fight to get him eligible, you know, between the um, between the learning disability that he had and just the, the situation of COVID making everyone eligible. All of a sudden, the NCAA rules and says, all right, everyone can play. And Ben Stanley suits up and he tears his ACL a couple of games later. How awful is that? Oh, it's just brutal, dude, because I like we weren't even mad that Kunkel like, you know, what I mean, like we weren't expecting to see Kunkel this year. Like the plan was for him to come in, have a developmental year and kind of get stronger, get kind of Big East ready. Um, and then they're like, everyone can play. And Kunkel's like, OK, I guess I'll play. And then Ben Stanley still had to wait like an extra three weeks. You know what I mean? He had a legit learning disability, had had timed everything out. And Hampton was working against him. Um, just horrible. You know what I mean? For the kid. I mean, just awful situation luckily he still got some time um but an awful situation and uh i mean he, he also too i mean we could use him from physicality perspective that was definitely our huge weakness with you know freeman i think he has the ability to do it but being dependent on you know eight games eight minutes a game last year to 37 38 minutes a game he was trying to stay out of foul trouble he was kind of playing ole defense at times and just didn't bring the toughness that we've been accustomed to um i think he can i just don't think he was i think he's trying to learn how to play extended minutes um, we definitely could use the ben stanley just from a toughness you know kind of looks like mighty mouse definitely could use mighty mouse down there in the post uh for some toughness and some extra brawn but just i feel bad for the kid man he's been through a lot and then heading into the Big East tournament i mean did you have any expectations for this team obviously that first round matchup you get the draw against butler losing overtime by one point i mean were you kind of like at that at that point of the game it's like all right you know didn't expect us to go far or were you like okay maybe we can string some wins together um and kind of make a run yeah, it got to the point the last six, seven games of the year where I was like, I have no idea what the hell, which team's coming out. You know what I mean? Like the team that's going to beat Creighton by 15 or the team that's just going to not show up. Uh, I thought we were going to beat Butler. And, uh, you know, <laughs> when we were up 19 points, I still thought we were going to beat Butler. Um, and then down the stretch with eight minutes left, I thought we were going to beat Butler and then give Creighton a game. I thought we were going to lose to Creighton by eight to 10, give but you know, and beat Butler by double digits or so. Uh, but then, you know, you're up, up 19 and just kind of put the brakes on the offense and just playing super slow. I just don't think you could do that when you pretty much had them in attack mode. They were just on their heels. Um, and then I'm watching Jason Carter shoot six, seven times in the last three minutes and just kind of like depressing oh, laughter. You know what I mean? Just like, what are we doing? You know, like it, it, Jason Carter shot probably 20% from the field this year. I think he legit shot 12% from three, something along those lines. I mean, just like, I'm like, and it was one thing having him on the court and I'm not here to bash Jason Carter, but like, why, why is our season coming down to Carter shooting six shots on the last 10 possessions? It just was hard to watch. Um, and the rotations this year were, were kind of hard to watch with all the talent on the roster, but that's basketball, man. That's <laughs> it's basketball. basketball and they're gonna have to figure some stuff out this off season. You did have a fan behind you though. Sam Basil did pen a blog about some late, you know, some late pushes to the big dance. And he did mention Xavier. Uh, Sam, what were you seeing on that side of the game? You know, did you think Xavier could have uh, pulled together a resume to make it even if, you know, after the loss with Butler? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree that, you know, their, their performance and conference play was just not what we were seeing uh, in the beginning of the year, but they were, to me, it was just a team that was totally killed. Uh, their, their momentum was totally killed by COVID. I mean, so I, I followed a lot uh, of Atlantic 10 basketball this season, uh, as you guys know. And to me, looking at their schedule and their story this season, it reminded me a lot of St. Louis, who was also kind of on that bubble team. And I think right now they're currently one of those 
uh, pandemic swap teams. And they got a third uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, there'll be and three. I think Louisville's in front of him and a, somebody else. I don't know. Somebody in the middle. I can't remember. Super, like, I couldn't remember who it was either. Yeah. Yep. Yes. But Xavier, Xavier did not get one of those substitutions, right? No. Correct. No. Yeah. So, again, I think, you know, momentum plays such a huge part in March Madness, obviously. I mean, anything can happen with these, with these amateur athletes. So, I think really uh, they've, they've got a good foundation, but COVID, the COVID bug just really just killed them. Yeah, and Basil, we'll we'll talk about momentum too because speak of momentum, uh, the Big East champion. My goodness, did anyone have the Georgetown Hoyas? I certainly didn't even think they'd make it out of the first round. Um, Basil, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Cap. Is this pure sorcery, or does Georgetown have some legs to maybe make a run here? I think it might be some. I think there's definitely some sorcery in the works here. I think it. it I think it was definitely. Uh, Patrick Ewing working his magic on the garden, you know, I think after what happened with uh, getting stopped by getting stopped <laughs> by security, he, he it definitely lit a fire in him uh, to kind of become the first person ever to, to win a big East tournament in MSG as a player and a coach. Uh, and I think they can keep rolling at least in, in one more game. Uh, they're a 12 seed, which is, you know, kind of that weird miracle seed every year that we see take out, you know, three of the five seeds. And right now I do have them taking down Colorado. Mm, right there. Rest in peace, Colorado. Like gas me up. It's over. Like, you know, like (laughs) Charles Barkley, like, I don't know a lot about Colorado. So they're in trouble. Uh, (laughs) No, it's definitely some sorcery, but like, who's going to talk trash to freaking Patrick Ewing in the garden? Like if I'm Georgetown, I'm the AD, I'm hiring some clown, like in happy Gilmore, just to talk stuff to Patrick Ewing in the next (laughs) biggest tournament, just get him fired up. Cause that would dude, they were on fire. And I thought they were playing pretty good ball going into the biggest tournament. But I wouldn't want any piece of them. Like I look at, I, I unfortunately they have Florida State probably in the second round, who I think is pretty dang good. But I, I got them beating Colorado. I mean, it's not going to be easy. But if I'm Colorado, I'm like f. Three Big East teams, by the way, in the five twelve game. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and once I, I once I, oh, all right. Oh, sorry. No, no, all you basil. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just gonna, I was gonna add on to that. Like, if I'm, if I'm Colorado right now, I'm legit scared of the Hoyas. Oh, I'm shitting yeah. my pants if I'm Colorado. <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And they're good. They they were ranked for most of the year. That's the thing. They yeah. ended up being, you know, a, I think a 24 seed going into the Pac-12 tournament. And they're already a very sexy trend to bet against right now. It's awesome. And the, se- yeah. the second that the MSG guards questioned Patrick Ewan's identity, that was it. Oh, it was over. That was it. They That had enough momentum to keep them going. And yeah, Colorado got the shit draw right there. Um, you know, Cap, you mentioned that they'll probably face Florida State in that second round. And, you know, Florida State, that's going to be a tough matchup. But I think they, they I think they are poised to make the upset. I'm right with you. Yeah, I, I am too. Yep. So um, we go now into the bracket. Selection Sunday is... Um, by the time this airs, less than 48 hours young. Anything that stand out for you, Cap, that you're like, wow, that I'm amazed that happened or I'm shocked that this happened. Uh, initial gut reactions when you saw, obviously, besides the Musketeers being left off. And <laughs> that wasn't surprising. Them. I knew it was over, and I didn't even want to look at Twitter with the Xavier stuff. I knew it was over. Yeah, it's um, fair enough. Blew the shot. I thought it was interesting, man, seeing all the Big East teams in the five seed, like Creighton and Nova, like I think all year were like looking like the two, three line. Like that was a hell of a drop. And then I love UConn's draw too, dude. Mm. Like I think, I think UConn's going to be real nice. Like that's a team like also like Georgetown. I want nothing to do with for me, man. It's the play in game. I've never been so excited about a play in game before Mick Cronin, Michigan state. 
I am ready. Thursday night, I got the popcorn ready to go. <laughs> I can't wait for that play-in game, dude. Uh, but I think, to me, it was just the, the feeling of uh, filling out a bracket and um, definitely rivaling Coitus, in my opinion, uh, for best feelings on planet Earth. It, it's been, you know, over, a little over 365 days since filling out a bracket. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> better than sex, dude. Tell my girlfriend, like, man, <laughs> I don't know. I want to fill out some more brackets. I got I to gotta chase this feeling. Sex is nice, but you ever fill out a clean bracket? I'm saying. <laughs> how many how many brackets have you guys filled out so far? Over under 69 and a half. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're up there. We're way up there. Can, can we push that? Yeah, 69 right. and a half? I'm taking a flat even. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Good call. So, you know, heading into this tournament now, we have the four one seeds, Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Illinois. Who has the easiest path to the final four? You want to go ahead, Basil? Sure. Yeah. So one thing I noticed that I, when I was making my bracket today, I had to admit this is probably one of the hardest brackets I've ever made because I feel like this bracket uh, leans so far away from producing upsets. I think the one seeds in the bracket this year are just so strong. And so to answer your question, while I do think Gonzaga is going to get, is going to, you know, pull through and get a, go all the way that they have the win in my book. I think the easiest region might be Illinois. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right now wow. I have Illinois going tell me more West though, Virginia. because I think I disagree with you. So tell me more. So uh, yeah, let me, let me break down. Okay. So in the West Gonzaga's quarter, basically they have some really tough teams that they're going to have to get that they're going to have to get past uh, potentially Kansas potentially USC, but the biggest, you know, scary factor for me right now is Luca Garza and Iowa. I think Gonzaga is a better team overall, but I mean, Iowa is probably the best two seed in this entire tournament for me. Uh, Baylor, again, strong big 10 teams. They're going to have to go against, I have them going against Wisconsin, Purdue and Ohio state. That's, that's my projected path from the round of 32 all the way to the final four. Illinois, they have some, you know, sneaky teams in there. I have I have Rutgers going to the Sweet 16. I have Oklahoma State getting past. They're going to have to get past Loyola Chicago and Oklahoma State. But in terms of overall talent, I just think Illinois isn't going up against as much of a powerhouse programs as some of these other uh, schools. Michigan right now, I have losing in the Elite Eight. Uh, to Alabama. So obviously they're not uh, in the easiest. <laughs> well, Kate Cunningham has entered the chat. Yeah. Kate Cunningham's <laughs> going to be tough, but I, I think overall, I think Illinois yeah. got it. See, here's my thing with, so with how strong Illinois is, you know, I, it's almost like you want to say that they're going to cruise by in my opinion, but I, I'm looking at these now. I don't believe in Houston. Let's get on that on the record. They dominated in the American all year, a place where UConn struggled. And that's another, it's a weak number two seed. <laughs> they are a weak number oh, two seed in my cool. opinion, but then you've got teams like West Virginia, Oklahoma state. And, you know, obviously Cade Cunningham has terrorized the Mountaineers all year. Um, and then, you know, Tennessee, they're, they're one of those teams that can wake up and be good or absolutely get, you know, killed in the first round by Oregon State. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But that's a, a 
either Illinois is going to run the table on it or they're going to struggle every step of the way, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think there's any middle ground there. And that's it's, so it's interesting that you say that, Sam. I, I agree. I, I don't think that it's 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 not an easy path, right? It's kind of like picking the lesser of two evils. It's not there's no easy paths for any one seed in this NCAA tournament. But if I had to pick one like gun to my head, it's Illinois. Fair enough. Cap, any thoughts from you on who has the easiest path as a one seed? Yeah, I think Gonzaga has the best chance of making the Final Four of any one seed, but I think Baylor has the best path. There's just no one in that bracket that, like, scares me. Like, I, I think Ohio State's super solid. Um, I don't obviously want to play Purdue, but it's a Sweet 16. You're going to play good teams. I, I'm just not scared of anyone they're playing. You know what I mean? I, I just don't – no one really jumps out on the page to me, whereas in other brackets, like, man, I'm Illinois. I'm playing freaking – Okie State in the Sweet 16, woof. West Virginia State in the Elite Eight, or West, West Virginia State. West Virginia in the Elite Eight, woof. Like <laughs> Michigan, I, <laughs> I got Texas, Alabama, Florida State, woof. You know what I mean? Even Gonzaga, I got Kansas, I got Iowa, got USC, big woof. You know what I mean? Oklahoma, who can shoot the lights out in the second round, like, yikes. You know what I mean? I just, I would much rather have Baylor's route, especially how they match up against teams. Like, they got some, like, the big, like, rough and tough, like, Big Ten teams. Like, I just think they do that better than them you know what I mean like I don't I just don't see um anyone really challenging them uh you know what I mean I think Oklahoma, I think Ohio State could give them a great game you know but I just don't no one really terrifies me in that one route there's other matchups from like Yeesh, you know that's obviously not what you want as a one seed any thoughts from you Tondo no I definitely agree I mean I wanted to ask the flip side of the question uh which one of these one seeds could we see get bounced early Michigan in my opinion I'm yeah. saying Michigan I yeah. think that's Fine you know bottom. could be a general consensus uh um you know, probably not against the amount St. Mary's or a Texas, but uh, St. Bonnie's, maybe. <laughs> even, yeah, even the second LSU, round. If they, if yeah. LSU or Bonnie's, whatever that matchup is, uh, there's definitely a lot of... Or God forbid they play Georgetown and the Hoyas yeah. pick them off. <laughs> yeah. How much of a storybook would that be? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, there, that's just a lot of danger on that end. Well, you know, Michigan it's... came in as very, you know, very highly touted, very, very hot team, but then they strung some losses towards the end. And, you know, I was still surprised that they landed the one seed um, right. at the when all said was done. I mean, Ohio State... Uh, they lost to Illinois, and then who beat Michigan yeah, in that in overtime? Um, who did beat? Was Ohio, it Ohio State? Beat no, Ohio State Ohio was State the one that picked them. up. Yeah. Michigan. it was yeah. a close one, but like it just doesn't seem like the Michigan team that got the one seed is who Michigan is right now. No, correct. Isaiah Liver has been hurt. Like it, they just don't feel like that team that got the one seed. You know, still it's just a good Juwan team. Howard's world, and we're living in it at this point. <laughs> That's true. Um, we're gonna shock the world. i'll tell you what i I really like baylor uh for different reasons that we'll get into in this next segment here but um their path is what i really love because i have a feeling they're not going to be playing some of the teams we might expect them to Um, and that leads us right into the column that uh sam wrote yesterday and that was our house enterprise bracket busters uh, our favorite potential upsets so what we did was we picked you know, an upset that we think is realistic and might happen and backed it up with some thought. And then we had a psycho pick and <laughs> both of them were just in- incredible. So uh, I don't know what we want to do here. We have ours cap. We'll give you a, a couple of minutes to collect and, and listen to uh, the self-proclaimed experts on what we think. Uh, so I don't need a lot of time to go psycho, but I got you. Just yeah. Give me a minute or two. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Basil, we'll start with you. Uh, we'll go your sleeper pick and your psycho pick and just your quick elevator pitch on both ends. Sure. So for my sleeper pick, uh, I didn't really want to go uh, 12 and five. You know, I feel like, I feel like that's kind of like the, uh, the basic pick in a lot of, in a lot of these tournaments. You can just add us next time. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> sometimes it's 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 tantalizing, but it's it's just it's just too easy. So Basic for me, I picked Liberty over Oklahoma State. Uh, looking back, I'm kind of second guessing myself, but I'm gonna stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> I really just think that you know, you know, even though Oklahoma State is a great team, Kate Cunningham is pro is you know, the consensus is pretty much that he's gonna be going first overall in the uh, NBA draft. I can't overlook liberty's momentum right now they're currently on a 12 game win streak that finished obviously in an atlantic sun uh tournament win and they have really two solid scores darius mcgee and chris parker mcgee has scored at least 20 points in half of those 12 wins and so i think if the flames can you know maintain their hot hands they'll be able to keep up keep up with oklahoma state and so my cycle pick is I don't have it in my bracket right now. I'm going, I'm going to I can't even. I can't. I mean, I love but it. It's the. It's like. It's like the forbidden fruit. It's like so tantalizing. I just. It's, I'm like grabbing my hand as I go to click it. You know, on the mouse, which is number fifteen Iona over number two Alabama in oh, the first round. And painful. I think if this was Rick Pitino's maybe second or third year at Iona. And he was able to, you know, scrape through in the MAC tournament and and get this get this bid. I'd be more confident in it. But right now I'm picking Alabama, but it just feels so wrong to pick against Rick Pitino in the first round of an NCAA tournament, no matter what school he's at. Well, I just I loved his uh, interview the other day, right after it was Selection Sunday. So you know they they get him in the he's in the hotel room. Obviously they're over Zoom. And, you know, they're like, coach, you know, congratulations. This is your, you know, fifth tournament with five different teams and yada, yada, yada. And in the background, just like his bed on made, his, yeah. like, his boxers on the bed, like no fucks given. He's just like, I'm surprised he wasn't shirtless with the tat peeping. Like he was just like, and I, after that though, I was like, you know what? Like, I think Rick Pitino is just going to go off. And like, I haven't one of my brackets. I picked that psycho pick because it's like, how can you go against Rick Pitino? Dude's cold. And honestly, Half the reason why I want this pick so bad is because, you know, I've been following a lot of Iona basketball this season and just his post-game interviews, he just has the epitome of a winning mentality. I mean, obviously he's a, he's a hall of fame coach. He's got multiple national championships, but he just, he just knows, (laughs) you know, he's just got that brain. So maybe, maybe I'll change my mind tonight. Whatever. (laughs) I'll go next here. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I know it's the cool trend to bet against Villanova right now, but I'm saying this for the other team there, and that's the Winthrop Eagles. I think you should really consider that 12-5 matchup. Uh, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, who I met last week at the Bryant game, he said it'd be an upset if Villanova beats Winthrop, and right now I kind of agree with them. Bleeding team, right? Colin Gillespie's out, uh, torn MCL. Justin Moore, we don't know how he's going to come back with a sprained ankle, and um, with Winthrop here, they're a real solid 12 seed because they've lost one game this year. It was against UNC Asheville. They lost by only a couple of points. They haven't won by less than six points since the end of January, which is a crazy mind-blowing stat, in my opinion. They're having their best season in program history by far, cruised to the conference champ title, um, 
you know, they beat all three of their opponents by an average of 26 points. I think it was, that's absurd. They have some of the best rebounding guards in the entire country. Chandler Varon, uh, who's double, double is pretty much, uh, he's averaging per game. He's only six, seven. I mean, that's awesome. They have the best scoring bench in the nation by three points per game, 37 to 34. That's nuts. Uh, that's not a team that I want to bet against, especially against a bleeding Villanova team. So sign me up. Give me, put it in Sharpie for the Winthrop Eagles. <laughs> I love that pick. Um, I'm going to take a real psycho pick. And I, I think I instantly regretted this as well. Um, North Texas over Purdue is a matchup I don't hate. Um, especially, I mean, Purdue went five and one uh, in their last six games. So that's kind of regretting, uh, you know, I'm, I'm regretting that now, but North Texas looks good right now. They um, are on a four game winning streak. They're really good from three and they can play really good two point defense. So I don't know. You lock a couple of Purdue's big guys down and this becomes an entirely different game. So give me the mean green number 13 over Purdue. That's a real psycho pick. Now that I'm saying that out loud. Well, it's psychotic yeah yeah we'll, I mean, we'll go to you we'll go to mine he's mine mine's not too far out there uh, <laughs> we already kind of touched upon my original upset i said georgetown um the 12 over five with colorado i mean no no need to go further there I, i'm just riding the momentum of patrick ewing my psycho pick will definitely turn some heads but it's getting a lot of buzz online i have four number 14 colgate over number three arkansas see i like this my man my it. psycho brother spider man bro. there we my go psycho pick let's yes. go so you know both teams like they are very they're very common they go up and down the floor and they're just shooting threes but you know arkansas had that nine game win streak going into the semis they've you know the wheels kind of fell off there um they have the ability to win this game, no problem. But with Colgate behind um, Jordan Burns, they have a 40% three-point percentage. Um, I'm just liking the momentum that's building with Colgate. So that's going to be my psycho pick. And it's uh, Patriot yeah. League. Let's I know, go. exactly. I mean, they, they dominated in the Patriot League. Granted, small pool of, uh, you know, games there. You know, they didn't play, you know, a wide variety of different teams compared to other conferences. But I'm all for Colgate. Yeah, they bubbled up, which is really dumb. They had like the whole BU played Holy Cross six times yeah. this year. That shouldn't happen ever, but whatever. All right, Cap, you've heard us. It's your turn. Uh, you know, upset your regular sleeper pick and your psycho pick. Have at him. I'm ready to come out like Ray Lewis and go crazy. Let's go, boys. Okay. <laughs> so full psycho already on the bracket. I got Ohio and Jason Preston over Virginia. Like Virginia, obviously not practicing normal. Dude, oh, he's going to be a first round pick. I got Ohio over Virginia. Virginia, it's all the Vs, man. I'm telling you, those V teams either out in the first round or all the way to the championship. And Virginia's going out in the first round. Call me a psycho. And then obviously Alexa plays psycho by Post Malone. We got Colgate defying toothbrushes over Arkansas. And then, okay, I, haven't, I don't have this in yet, but on Psycho Watch, okay, the fighting face shields of Georgia Tech and Josh Pastner oh. may be marching to the Sweet 16. I'm telling you, I, I don't know what it is. It's magic. I saw my oh boy my in the God. interview. And I think Illinois is one of those weird teams. I saw, someone said it earlier. Like, I could see them being super solid and marching. I could also see them stumbling. I don't know why. Something about the face shields. Something about the magic. Someone, there's going to be a sister gene. And why not Josh Pastner and the fighting face shields of Georgia Tech? Oh my God. Wow. I, I'm just baffled. I like it's on that. Psycho though. watch. It's on psycho watch. Okay. It's not full psycho. Uh, so I had to give something for the people. Cause you know, obviously I was going to go full toothbrush. You know what I mean? Colgate, but I was Still, like, you know, in the, in the plus range, like a plus two fifty psycho watch yes, around there. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs>
I don't hate that. I really like I, it. I don't know. I kind of, why do I like that? Yeah. Fuck. I'm just, I'm just, I, there's something about it, dude. There's some, there's energy over there, dude. Oh, I saw this shit. post. And then, guy, but then, yeah. But then Oklahoma state, the, 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 oh my God. Then it's Georgia tech and then Oklahoma state. And then does Oklahoma state go to the, the final four? Yes. Fuck. I'm telling if Georgia Tech does it, if the fighting, if the face shields do it, then it's Cade Cunningham all the way to the final four. Yeah, that's Book. true because I will be a self-proclaimed uh, Oklahoma state lover. I think so. I, I do have them beating Liberty. I have them beating Tennessee. And then I have um, West Virginia against Oklahoma state at some point. Mm-hmm. And that's a game that West Virginia has lost twice. So at that point, do they lose three though? I don't, I don't know. You know. I'm like, I'm a Bob Huggins guy. It's like, do they lose? So do, am I. Do they lose three? Oh, shit. I hate this. I hate this so, so much. But there's going to be stories. It's going to be wacky. And this is going to be all the wackiest of wacky years, bro. Like there's going to, it's going to happen. You just got to beat him to the punch. Also don't hate Cleveland state in the first round. I mean, yeah. Well, they ran the table. Well, actually they did not run the table. They almost lost in triple overtime, but after right. that, it was like, and I was so pissed because Wright State had lost, and I picked Wright State for the drone to come out of that there. Was and like, what the madness. fuck? That was madness, dude. The horizon did not disappoint. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> and I'm happy as, as a very, um, as a, now a Robert Morris hater because they left the NEC to go to the Horizon League. I'm very happy that they got absolutely trounced. So that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> horizon League's a mad, mad place. Awesome. And they're the first league that's like done with everything every year. And you yeah. just look at them and go, holy shit. And like, nice. This is what March is going to be. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Set the standard, baby. All right. So that's our traditional sleepers and our psycho picks. A uh, lot of debauchery to be had over these next couple of days, especially in the first round. I can't wait. Um, let's talk some big East teams now. So there's four. Cap, you obviously mentioned that, you know, a lot of them are five seeds. So we've got. Well, I say a lot, meaning half of them. Creighton and Nova ended up at five seeds. They had to play 12s to start. UConn's at seven. Georgetown's at 12. When we're looking at the bracket, Cap, we'll start with you, and then we'll go to Basil. Do we think um, – do we have anyone that sticks out as this team is more poised to make a run than anybody else? What do we think? Yeah, I think to me it's Connecticut. Um, obviously, Alabama's a tough matchup, but I, I mean, it could be a, a Connecticut-Rick Pitino matchup second round. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> no, but um, I could see Connecticut going on something. I, they're not going to be an easy matchup for Alabama, that's for sure. I think I'd pick Alabama to win. I almost talked into myself putting on the bracket. Um, I like Creighton to win the first game. Um, I, I think that I, I actually I put Jason Preston in the Sweet 16 actually on my own bracket, but Santa Barbara is not an easy matchup. I, to be honest with you, I think Villanova is a sitting duck, um, and I do think Georgetown is going to squeak at least one. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. But it's going to be fun, man. Yeah, UConn's one of those weird things, and that's a line that I'd very much be interested in seeing. Is um, what are the odds that Nate Oates and Danny Hurley just like throw fists in the middle of the game? And I think that's pretty high Why? because Nate Oates, I'm sure you saw that the other day. He was talking a lot of shit to LSU and he walked off. He's like, get the fuck, fuck off out, my yeah. court. <laughs> right. And when you mix that with Hurley, who I saw this year, that was one of like, yeah, it was one of three Big East teams I saw besides PC this year. I didn't realize how much he rides his guys up and down the floor. Like he swears and stuff at his own dudes at the top <clears> of his lungs. That man is a psycho. And I talk about psycho picks right. um, over Alabama might be one in the second round. That's the only thing I'm going to miss about quarantine is hearing everything that everyone says, like the random shut the fuck up or just uh, or, or Patrick Ewing's rebound every five goddamn seconds. Rebound. Okay. okay yeah. I wasn't going to do that. Now that now you said it though, I'll rebound. Oh, just shit. Yeah. Javon Blair's like, Oh wait, I have to rebound. Coach? Yeah, I should, yeah. should do that. Good call. Uh, it's just, that's been fun. That's been a fun added element. 
Basil, what do you think? Um, any Big East team that stands out? Honestly, for me, before I go into that, I, I would want to say my a sleeper psycho coach for me, Steve Mazziello. At oh, Manhattan. yeah. Dude, dude must be on some crazy blood pressure medication. But he's anyway, not going to be in the tournament, so shame on him. I know, I know. <laughs> not a great season for them. But uh, so right now I have uh, two – Big East teams advancing to the second round and stopping, and then two getting knocked out right in the first round. Uh, in the West, Creighton's, Creighton's losing to UC Santa Barbara. Wow. Uh, I, they had a really bad performance. I, I really don't think they played that well in the Big East tournament. They got to the final. They lost to Georgetown, but I just I just don't think they have it in them anymore. Georgetown, I got going uh, over Colorado, like I said before. For UConn, I actually have them losing to Maryland in the first round. I know Danny Hurley is a great coach. He's, he's, you know, psycho and everything, but Maryland has, is a sneaky big 10 team. I mean, we talk about how the big 10, I think they had not, they've got nine bids this year. They're a great conference and they're a little top heavy, but even those guys in the middle can really compete. I mean, just look at Maryland's resume right now. They have a three point win over Illinois. Uh, They have, they split the series with Purdue split the series with Wisconsin and split the series with Rutgers. So, you know, not amazing, but some pretty solid wins that I think would get them into the second round. Uh, Nova, I have beating Winthrop. I usually do three out of four of the 12 seeds over the five seeds. And Nova, I just think is the strongest five seed. Very self-aware of you actually, to know that you do three of the possible four matchups of the five twelve in the other way. I like that. It's kind of just my, uh, it's kind of just like one of my bracket superstitions. Cause I hate, I hate picking according to trends, but it's also kind of fun. So I, you know, make a little compromise with myself. So yeah, Villanova over Winthrop, but then losing to Purdue in the second round. Okay. okay. I, I agree with that. I don't think, I, I don't think Nova has the case to go far this year. I don't think um, they have the case to make it past the first round. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that's, and even that's like, I, I see in your bracket, you have Winthrop upsetting them. Um, I mean, I don't hate that pick. Villanova is just not the, you know, not the team without Galipsy. Um, I probably have to say UConn um, is probably the team that'll probably make the farthest. I mean, again, I'm still, I still have that recent bias with Georgetown and Patrick Ewing, and I don't want to, you know, beat the dead horse at this point because we keep bringing it up, but <laughs> UConn, um, I like Basil's point regarding Maryland. I mean, you know, the big 10 is a very competitive uh, conference this year and Maryland, you know, although they were the middle of the pack, it's like they could still make some noise, but I think that that Alabama UConn game, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. For I, me, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Can I just, uh, just, point out something that, that will mentioned uh you do i do think gillespie being out for villanova is a huge factor but given you know the circumstances of uh the conference tournaments uh leading up to the ncaa tournament these teams have had a lot more time to prepare after getting knocked out than normal years so i think you know i think villanova is going to have plenty of time to kind of work on their game plan without Gillespie, which I think will get them at least one win in this tournament. Fair. Uh, again, you're not going to convince me that a 23 and one team is going to lose to them though. I, I just am taking that to my grave and the wins aren't great, but it is what it is. Roll Winthrop baby. Um, and roll the big South too. love the big South <laughs> as a conference. Um, Georgetown. I really like because Florida state's very good, 
But I don't think, um, you know, I think that's a matchup that Georgetown actually fares nicely. They've got some good shooters. Um, their big guys can hold up against the uh, the Serbian dude. I always butcher his last name on Florida State, but I'm not even going to attempt it. Um, I don't know. I think Georgetown can realistically pick off Colorado. They can pick off Florida State if the if few things go the right way. And they can even possibly, like, sue me for saying this, they could take down Michigan on a good day. They can do it. I think because Michigan will go out and just absolutely shit the bed one day like they did against Illinois. And granted, it's Illinois. It is what it is. But they also – did Michigan – Michigan lost to Michigan State a couple of times this year, right? At least once. Yes. If not twice. Um, yeah. Now they, they – they split. They beat, yeah, they split them. But still, you know, it's Michigan State. I think Georgetown could walk in and have that same effect and just pick them off. Um, I don't like Georgetown against Texas after that, but it is what it is. Or or Alabama or UConn <clears throat> or Maryland, if we're really getting crazy. Um, yeah, I, I like Georgetown here is my point. We're getting psycho. No, I just wish this was an, M- <laughs> if this was an MSG, Georgetown in the Final Four, hands down. Higher, higher talking shit guy, final four, easy. But I, I, I think you're right though, man. I, I think they could definitely pick some dudes off. Definitely Michigan. I mean, could happen. No question. That's for sure. Um, let's basically, you had a good question earlier that we'll, we'll go before we get into coaching stuff um, the, about Twitter and cap's going to have some interesting answers. I'm sure for it. Oh yeah. So cap, I mean, you're, you're a really good guy for this, for this podcast this week, just because, uh, I think you're kind of involved in one of, you know, kind of one of my favorite communities uh, on the entire internet. So, you know, I never get that. I've, <laughs> I've always, I've always been, I've always been, you know, a huge fan of college basketball, but I've really entrenched myself this year because I've been covering it. And one thing that I love is especially in mid majors. Like, I don't know if you follow a lot of Atlantic 10 guys, uh, let me give some of my favorite shout outs, like the goal of standard. Little I do now after, after the bracket. Yeah. Well, we got like 2,900 votes between me and Gola. Yeah. Definitely follow it now. Oh my God. Oh, you're, yeah. So you were in that bracket. Yeah. We were in the was, first round, really bro. It was nuts, dude. Cause I think the highest other round, even until like the final four was like 1500 votes in the first round, we got like 2,700 and like my dudes were going nuts. I think we were up 52 to 48 and then I opted out uh, <laughs> because it was just what was funny at the time. Cause I think that was right when uh, uh, Jalen uh, what's his nuts from Duke had opted out. And then he beat me like 51 <laughs> to 49 at the buzzer, bro. With like 2,700 votes. Shit was crazy. That dude's then, funny as hell. I don't know if you know Curry Hicks Sage. Uh, the UMass I think I've fan. seen him. Yeah. yeah. There was a whole controversy with him. Um, <laughs> that was hilarious. But anyway, so you know, especially, especially with mid majors, like I'm a big a 10 guy and, you know, I mean, I'm a Fordham fan, so, you know, rag on me all you want, but I just, I just love how these guys are so passionate about a school like LaSalle school, like St. Joe's. Yeah. I love that. Well, I mean, we're from that conference, bro. Like, I mean, I grew up in the a 10. Yeah. I mean, like this is not unheard of for me. Absolutely. Well, that's how Xavier. Yeah. That's like how Xavier has the presence they do pretty much. Oh, we have that little dude mentality. I mean, I don't care if we're, you know, winning the Big East. I mean, we we are have that little that little guy mentality. We're hungry. Yeah, I I'm, I love that A10 mentality. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So my question to you is, uh, what's your? Let me let me. This is the two parter. So what's your Mount Rushmore of college fan Twitter accounts? Maybe a, a national Mount Rushmore, and then maybe a mid major. Mount Rushmore, if you want to give some of those smaller schools a little bit of a little spotlight. 
Oh, that's so good. That's such a good question, dude. Uh, I hate to say it, but my, my boy No Escalators is so funny. Oh, my uh, God. They're awesome. So funny and such a jackass. And it is two of them, so they're kind of cheating. Um, I, I, they did some article in The Athletic with us in it, and then they were in it, and I learned it was two of them. And they're such jackasses, like such holier-than-thou, like assholes. And But it's fucking funny, and I don't want to press the favorite button, but I do it every fucking time. I will shit. never forget, like, it was a life-changing Twitter moment for me when I got quote-tweeted by them. Incredible, oh because it was some Bayheim. I, I wasn't even slandering Bayheim. All I did was tweet what he said after the Bryant game where they lost by one, and he's like, oh, we weren't ready because – because, uh, you know, our guys came off COVID protocol and then the Brian coach tears him apart. He's like, listen, that's not, that's not what happened, but whatever. And he goes, no escalators quote tweets it and goes, wow, it's a shame that no one wants to play for Jim Beheim. I can't figure it out. Like, why don't they want to play for him? <laughs> when he bashes the five, two white guy, it's nuts. Cause I'll have, like a, I'll have like a fire Xavier tweet or like a fire tweet about like sex or something, something stupid. It'll get like, I don't know, 25 to 50. And then I'll have some like substandard Yukon tweet, 500 likes just goes ape shit. I'm just like you. And then the, the hot sauce shit, like their hot balls is hilarious. Those dudes are bonkers. Um, I, I love those dudes. Uh, even though they annoy the shit out of me sometimes. I love those dudes. Um, but dude, I'm telling you, a 10 is fucking lit. Like A10 is no joke. I came on, I knew of them a, a little bit, um, but obviously like we had the A10 stuff from before, but like, man, after that, the March Madness with uh, the Cameron Newton account, like, dude, those, uh, those accounts, yes. those accounts stand toe to toe with anybody. Like uh, love only, uh, only fans, bro. Like that dude's so funny. <laughs> um, the, all the Bonnie's dudes are great. There's that one Bonnie dude I'm in love with. I can't think of his name right now off the top of my head. A10 Whoa, talk. X. Lil Bona X, dude. I love him. Uh, obviously, A10 Talk is a goat. Um, I lo- love those dudes, man. Like, <laughs> I love A10 Twitter, bro. Gas it up. Also, some of the Horizon League accounts, because like we're, we're here in the Midwest. So, uh, like, my dude is a huge NKU fan. So, we get in it with them all the time. Um, but, dude, <laughs> I love me some no escalators. I can't lie. That, that might be the goat account in the Big East. I know you're getting buddy buddy with Bluff City Fryer, too. That guy's. Yeah. Bluff's my boy. We, we've had him on our little podcast a few times, and uh, he's a maniac. Uh, improv is hilarious. I, I love my prov dudes. Improv's like high ceiling, low floor, like I always said. They're either awesome or like some fucking crazies. Prov has got <laughs> some psychos on Twitter, dude. Uh, I had some crazy DMs from them, but uh, no, I love Biggie's Twitter. It's awesome. So you've got a lot of guys in your network, too. Um, give us give us a rundown of who you've got in the who your twitter personalities are that are uh you know lighting up your content and you guys are doing all the Xavier stuff with sure my boy andy pick is my dude dude's a maniac um we'll get in an argument with anybody on any time on any platform like i'll get off twitter because i'm exhausted and i'll be all right let's see what the grandmas are doing on facebook and i see andy arguing with people over there too i'm like good god this dude has those three phones you've seen that video that dude's a maniac uh but my boy andy my boy coop we have a fake announcer or a fake reporter named marcus walters i don't know if you've seen him yet oh yeah um, but yeah <laughs> but he'll always talk about like, like his book quotes. night was he said something about like breaking news james book night out with like a, a torn labia or something like, <laughs> like and he has that legit. little fucking sh- seven next to his name that looks like a check mark and he yep. that's like the biggest goat move of all time it's such a goat move and uh we did a a cameo with mick cronin um talking oh about our friend our friend travis who won the city championship 
so he was like, Travis, congrats on the city championship. And we, we ran it up after the crosstown shootout because Travis Steele uh, went fucking nuts. Um, dude, he's awesome, bro. He's so funny. We carried the stupid computer generated face for that account. Um, <laughs> that dude is so funny, but it's shit's believable. You know what I mean? Like, but it's so funny because we'll get like the official UConn athletics account in the DMs. Being like, oh my hey, that's, God. Not, that's not a real statement. Like, please delete that and put up an apology. Mm. And like, if they would just go on the account and scroll down five tweets, it's talking about how Santa's a fat fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, if you did five seconds of research, you would clearly know this is not real. Uh, I just, I love that shit so much, dude. Like, he got a oh. Joe Lenardi retweet. He got a Matt Norlander retweet. Uh, you have a Norlander retweet? What? He got Norlander oh and, yeah, he got the big fish on, on Cronin. Yeah, that, it's, it's awesome. Twitter's a, Twitter's an awesome place. We actually put our TBT team into existence just because of Twitter. Like, I was oh like, God. I'm about to create a TBT account and just fuck with it. And then TBT DMs us and was like, you guys trying to put a Xavier team together? So me and former assistant coach at Xavier, Rick Carter, who went to DePaul, uh, we're putting a Xavier TBT team together. So, I mean, Twitter's just an awesome place. Just create stuff out of thin air. It's Holy great. Crap. Yeah, it's awesome. It's free. It's, it's free. a free app. Yeah. It is yeah. a free app. It shouldn't be. <laughs> absolute steal i had to buy some twitter stock just because of john rothstein like you know what i mean <laughs> buy stock now i had to do it it's given us so many gifts bro it, it's it's so good stay positive test negative baby this is march <laughs> january february izzo april we sleep in may Max. or this is merch now i guess he That's and big cat are so good together what would <laughs> be what, oh man what would be captain xavier's uh rothsteinism oh i I'm, i've been getting on georgetown capital punishment lately oh um, yeah, that that one's good. They they tweeted all at me, and I was like, hey, you know, I, I'm riding the Georgetown train now. I've always been a Georgetown slander guy because they're just like the sleeping giant that doesn't do jack shit. Like, you got the name, you're in DC, and you guys are just fucking fucking everything up. So, but now I'm like, fuck it, let's go, let's hype them up. Um, I would say that one, and then obviously I talk about how Xavier's like hell in a cell for the fans right now. Um, that one's definitely a good one too because that's like the one he says for us. Yeah, uh, I'll have to get back to you on that though. I'll have to get back to you on the <laughs> He's just a robot, bro. My boy, my boy Ron Jostein though is hilarious. Yeah, like, yeah, that's oh, funny. That yeah. dude is so good, bro. <laughs> he started like, tweeting really early on in the year, like, <laughs> stay negative, test positive, and he had right. hundreds of likes and retweets. I'm like, holy shit, this dude yeah, is incredible. It'll be like Chris Beard. If you haven't bought stock, you obviously touch yourself at night. Like, he's like, this <laughs> <laughs> shit is chronic, bro. He's, he's hilarious. Holy <laughs> shit. I love that place, dude. <laughs> it's free i don't get it um so marcus is clearly you're like a darn shefter of your group he has to be oh he's our insider he, he's the insider's insider attacking the stories everyone wants to know about uh you know just doing <laughs> doing a great job not afraid to uh ruffle some feathers bro we, we love marcus a lot of verified accounts have been in marcus's dms for sure i love that um we'll switch back to the world of the the coaching carousel I know your boy, Dave Leto, uh, was let go today by DePaul. Tough day. Um, poor, put the Fs in the chat. Poor guy. He just got an <laughs> extension. So he, he had two stints at DePaul. That's like bizarre. I just remembered that Dude, today. Um, his coaching tree is bonkers. Like his coaching is. journey has been nuts. <clears throat> so his second stint at DePaul is pretty much a, a nightmare. Uh, a bunch of other guys out too. Uh, Patino's son out at Minnesota, Archie Miller out at Indiana. What's the most garbage take that you've heard today on who's going to replace those guys? Cause I've got a lot of them stashed up. Oh man. How much time you got? Basil, you want to take garbage? <laughs> t- you want to take garbage takes, bro? <laughs> it's been uh, crazy. Jeff Newbauer. I mean, Brad what? Stevens. Okay. Wait, pause, <laughs> pause. Jeff Newbauer. No. 
Yeah, Jeff Newberry to Indiana? No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm I kidding. would literally walk. I would end this podcast now because that's <laughs> Jeff Newbauer can't get a D2 job right now. You think so? You think you think he's uh, he's out of this town? I don't know. Uh, that was mainly just an overreaction, but <laughs> right. What did you, were you going to? I heard Brad I heard Brad Stevens and yeah. Jay Wright to Indiana, and so I'm like, stupid. are you kidding me? I'm like, come on. I'm like, why the hell would one Brad Stevens leave for you know the Celtics, even if <laughs> win or lose, <laughs> professional basketball? But like, team. you know, he might go to college. He might go back to college one day, but not not Indiana. now, He's not now, and not with Indiana. <laughs> oh, and no. Jay Wright, yeah, no, leave Villanova after all the success you had in your two decades there your two national championships your seven big east and go to indiana yeah no. for a 90s blue blood yeah <laughs> like for a 90s blue blood yeah exactly <laughs> like just kick rocks like see twitter can be so funny but then it can be like the absolute worst it's like why did i just stupid. open up this app and that's what dude and i was a little disappointed with goodman today because he gets on there and he's like you know what they need to be all in on scott drew and chris beard i'm like Pfft. If I'm Scott Drew or Chris Beard, I have Baylor and Texas Tech. I have a job there for the rest of my life. Chris Beard just went to a national championship. Scott Drew's about to go to one. Yeah. He'll never have to like do anything of value ever again except recruit and play his game until he until he dies, both of them. And instead, you're going to go to Indiana where there's been scandal upon scandal in the 90s Blue Bloods era with Bob Knight and then all the shit that happened afterwards. And then you're going to have to go rebuild a program from scratch, have immense expectations to win, and not just the conference, a national tournament in year one. What? Right. Am I on crack? Why would I do it's that? It's a I scary think job to with, take. Yeah, you saw this. UCLA too. It's like that in Indiana. Like they'll fire yeah. you in three or four seasons, even if you're doing decent. Like I remember when UCLA fired Ben Halland, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, I think he had been to three Final Fours in four or five years or something along those lines like two years prior. Like you, like those are career killers, man. Like especially if you're Chris Beard or Scott Drew, you got it made in the shade, like you said. Like those are career killers. If you don't go in there and immediately dominate, you're done. Sets you all the way back. Especially how competitive like recruiting is right now too. It's oh. not like, you know, players aren't like these young kids are just not following names anymore, you know, unless it's like, like the cream of the crop. And it's like, why go to Indiana? That's not going to be in a position to compete for, you know, at least two seasons, if not more. It's like, no, thanks. There's an element of that too, to like where, what's going to get me to the NBA quickest. And it's not, not going to play for Brad Stevens at Indiana. Like, <laughs> who's going to have to rebuild the program from the ground up. Um, that d- just doesn't make any sense. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me either. Wow. Um, yeah. And other news, basically in coaching areas that don't fit, Earl Grant got hired at BC. I'm sure Basil has a lot to say about this. Um, I mean, we've seen this movie before. Non-city guy with no city connections takes a big city job. Um, my initial reaction was like, oh my God, he's going to drown because he has no uh, Boston College connections. But you look at Mike Anderson at St. John's, he had new, new, no New York connections and look what he did. He's recruiting the shit out of New York. So curious to hear what you have to say, Basil. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough, it's not as tough as Indiana, obviously. But it's it's a weird, it's a weird hire, but I think it could work. Boston College is one of those schools right now. I mean, they haven't really been uh, much of a presence in the ACC for a long time. For like ever. It's for been ever. a while. So, you know, it's Gary not Dudley, like, baby. It's not like he's coming in. Obviously, he's coming in with some expectations. But in terms of, you know, building a program and building a play style and system that he wants, 
I think BC is a good ACC school to be a part of in terms of, you know, getting a blank slate. Um, you mentioned that he's, you know, not really a city guy. And I think, you know, a school <laughs> like BC is, is, uh, is very much, you know, attached to the city. He's got ACC experience. I mean, he's yeah. been at Clemson. He's been at, Oh, that's the only, sorry, that's the only ACC school he's been at. But, I mean, he was there was for that four count? years. <laughs> yeah, he, he was there as an assistant coach for four years. I think that's enough. I mean, he's a Southeastern guy, you know, which is – he's from North Charleston, South Carolina. So, I mean, that's even a th- though, Wait, North Charleston, South Carolina North is a thing? North Charleston, South Carolina, yes. Wow. It is the third largest city in South Carolina. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> – um, Anyway, so – you know, even though even though he's going to be in Boston, the ACC is a school that likes to recruit in the Southeast. So he's probably got connections, you know, even though he doesn't have connections in the Northeast, he's got connections from where he's going to want to pull his players. And whether or not the school likes that, whether or not the fans like that is, you know, I think it's up in the air. And I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm excited to see what happens with the Golden Eagles. Well, you've got anything else questions wise? Do we hit all our bases so far? Do we not address any big elephants in the room? Everybody I good? Richard Pat- I thought Richard Pitino was a weird firing. Yeah. I'm being completely honest with you. Like, yeah. If you're in Minnesota, like he got a shit under the good. stick there, I feel. Um, I mean, he wasn't there long, no? A couple of years. Now I'm curious because I want to say it was like a nice four to six year stint. Um, but they were pretty damn good two or three years ago. Like, I think they got oh, like a five seed. It was almost 10 years. Oh, wow. He was there in wow. 2013. Yeah, to 2013 because he was at FIU. He, he was coaching at Louisville with his dad, obviously. And then FIU for a year, and then Minnesota snatched him up. I mean, 159 and 135 overall, that's not going to cut it in the Big Ten. That's the thing. Sure. Yeah, I just think if you're Minnesota, like I, I don't know about being that choosy. They you got a five seed three years ago at 22 and 14. This is kind of a weird year. Um, I, I don't know. And, and maybe I'm giving too much of a pass for the, the COVID stuff, but they were pretty damn good like three years ago. And you're Minnesota. You know what I mean? Like this isn't like Maryland or you know what I mean? Like one of those big 10, it's not Michigan State, obviously. And then when it comes to Earl Grant, I'd be more concerned with going seven, 17 and 14 and then nine and 10 more than yeah, not being that's a city bad. guy. Yeah, I'm just like, I don't see the. I mean, it's not like he's like on fire, you know, obviously it's Boston college. It's not like a, a premier ACC team, but I'm like, Hmm. Like I, I'd love to see what they're seeing. Um, but uh, interesting. It, it was a wild day, man. A wild day on the carousel. I'm ready to jump back on dude. It's been, it's been fun. Anything but Xavier talk I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is like, if not Patino, then who, because yeah. that Minnesota job, yeah. and I'm looking at the results right now. They got at large bids in 2016, 17, and then 18, 19, you know, they went to the round of 32. That's nothing. That's something where you can look at him and be like, wow, you did a shitty job, Richard Pitino. You know, that's, yeah. I think that's a pretty decent resume in a packed conference. It's just like their conference standings were not even close to the top half for most of that time. Sure. But I just think you kind of think of what Minnesota was before Pitino. I'm like, oh, dumpster. Yeah. Dumpster. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It wouldn't have been me, but maybe they, maybe they got something. Who knows? I agree. Um, <laughs> Who fills the IU job? You guys didn't like anybody at all. And, uh, and does Archie come to DePaul? Oh God. I don't know. Everyone's <laughs> saying that. No <laughs> well, first of all, everyone's saying that Dave Leto should go to Fordham. <laughs> like you guys are tripping right now, dude. The, there might not be a crazier time for just horrible takes than coaching carousel time. I it's mean, nuts. if we're going to do this and let's, what, what absurd coaching rumor can we make up right now? Like, <laughs> I love it. 
Ah, shit. I don't want to say mine. I feel like the, the Fordham the Fordham memes are just so funny. Like, oh yeah, this person should go coach Fordham. <laughs> it's, right. it's awesome. I don't know. My dudes want steel gone now for Patrick or for uh for Pat Kelsey, who was an assistant yeah, Xavier. I, they want him out now. I don't know about that. I don't know. I just don't, yeah. I don't want a coach that wears that tight of shirts, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um I, I just don't want to I mean I had Sean Miller, I saw through his shirts for eight years. I just don't want to be seeing nipples, you know, night in, night out, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um that's just me, you know. Teach their own, you know. I, you know what? I wouldn't hate Pat Kelsey for Xavier, but I mean, it's like you're, they look exactly the same too. Him and Travis. <laughs> right. Super true. It's I, like, I, see, I want to see some duos, man. I want to see Rick and Rich together. You know what I mean? I want to start <laughs> seeing some, some creativity out here, you know, <laughs> well, oh good God. cop, bad cop, you know, how about Jeff Newbauer to Minnesota, Basil? <laughs> let's just, let's just start throwing stupid shit out Not there bad. that and hope it yeah. sticks. <laughs> I mean, my biggest fear with coaching carousels is, is Ed Cooley going to be in the hot seat? Oh, fuck. And does Jared Grasso get plucked away? I know. Those Stop. are my two that both don't seem likely, but on the other end could be very realistic. And it's a sad reality in Rhode Island. That's an yeah, interesting so question. Fordham, baby. How long do you think ah, Cooley has before the Stop it, Basil. If I hear Grasso to Fordham one more time, I am no. No, no, I no. Speak it into existence every night before I go to bed. No. And no. I get listen, I get it. It's a million dollar job. It's a life changing amount of money to make home. But dude, he could have one of those jobs in, in the future. Indiana yeah. or Minnesota if he just does his thing for a couple of years. I promise you. Let's just say David Cox goes to Xavier from URI. Let's just say that. Let's just say they do a coaching <laughs> trade and Travis Steele ends up in Rhode Island. Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Can we get Marcus uh, on that? Yeah, uh, believe me, I'm, I'm talking to him right now. Hey, we got a story. <laughs> Look into it. Gonna, how long? How long has Cooley got for the Seekatot? Well, so he he signed that extension. He was, I know he was obviously talking to Michigan when they were, you know, trying to find their identity. It was like, hey, we're going to give John Bayline the world or somebody else, and they picked Juwan Howard. And cool, he's a loved man in Friartown. But right, if you know it, if you just scrolled through Twitter, you'd be like, no, they all hate him. <laughs> it's crazy, right? But it's one of those things, though. It's like, if not Cooley, who? You know, it's like, if not Cooley, who he does have, like, you know, he bleeds, you know, the black and white in Providence. He's a Providence guy, Rhode Island guy, you know, who could fill those shoes without, you know, whoever takes his shoes, if God forbid that ever happens, it's like, they're going to be on so much pressure because the second something goes wrong and granted that happens with a lot of teams, but you know, they're going to go off with this person's head. Maybe Doris Burke to PC. I would love Doris Burke. To PC. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That would be sick. Um, the best guard of all time uh, at Providence College. But <clears throat> this has been fun. I think we got everything. Uh, another fun question for you, Cap. I think at this point, does Tulane just have to merge with Tulsa now and become one program? I think they have to. I've been talking about it forever. When Xavier wore the yellow and blue, just merge Marquette and Xavier, the Marketeers, versus Tulsane. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. Run it up. So is, do they go by Tulsane or should they go by Tula? That's the question. See, I, I think it's Tulsane. Yeah, we're still Tulsane. workshopping that. I think it's Tulsane, though, the Tulsanity. Yep, the Tulsane oh, Tulsanity. Oh, my God. You've put some Co clear thought into this. Coached by Bill Walton. I've actually made logos. I actually made oh, a Tulsa God, logo. Oh, God, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> I made a Tulsa logo that says that – says, now I'm getting them mixed up. It's gotten so bad that I literally can't get them right <laughs> A Tulane logo that says Tulsa and a Tulsa logo that says Tulane. And they, they look pretty legit. So I'm just here for the anarchy, man. 
<laughs> oh my college God. basketball anarchy well <laughs> cap sam thank you so much for joining us we appreciate it talk and shop all things college basketball this is march best time of the year uh we'll start with you cap you know where can our listeners find you online and social media and uh drop any information that they want to hear about your podcast your brand whatever it might be Sounds good. If no escalators isn't quote tweeting me 10 times a day, you can find me at CapEx15. We also have our stupid podcast called the Roblox Podcast, where we just do stupid shit like this and talk about basketball and sex. And uh, it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, you can, you can find me over there just doing stupid shit. I loved your pitch for your show. You're like, yeah, you know, our show sucks. We know nothing about basketball and we just talk about it like we know stuff. Like, sign me up. <laughs> I'm in, right? <laughs> kind of what we 100%. do you know we uh, yeah, just way yeah. through it this feels like this feels like home i love it <laughs> basil all you man uh yeah where to find me so yeah, same question uh, you know i'm on houseenterprise.com several times a week i got uh you know my columns finished for the season but you know i'll be covering uh the march madness tournament all, all month long got a good column where i'm uh, making some of my roommates who don't watch basketball fill out some brackets uh i'm also uh running friday feuds and you can follow me on twitter at sam one two eight seven eight as well as on eight ten talk where i'll be covering the uh rest of the fordham head coach search until they figure that out so check it out <laughs> oh yeah awesome well thank you too we appreciate it let's hope that uh you know as john rothstein would say stay positive test negative and hopefully get some clean brackets out of this but uh thank you guys again keep your bottle of kerosene nearby boys <laughs> we sleep it. in may we sleep in may and that was just cap and basil college basketball march madness breakdown uh first off shout out sam basil he is just i love that kid he is just killing it for us i am you know i'll never forget i've known sam for a few years now but back at southhold and over the summer i stopped in at claudio's which is one of the biggest bars in greenport and he was working there and he comes up and he's just like, Hey man, like love what you're doing with this house enterprise and BBB pod. Like if you're, if you're interested in like wanting me to like write or stuff, I'd be down. And like, it was like a drunk night. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, text me on Monday. And he texts me on Monday and he has been the best contributor we've had. I mean, he is, this guy writes five, six, seven blogs a week. He's making content. He's doing so much of his own stuff with Fordham and WFUV with all the alumni stuff and A10 Talk and hopping on radio shows. He is just making himself so, so useful and he's going to do huge things and I'm excited to, uh, you know, just watch his career grow and we're lucky to have him here and expect a lot more Sam Basil content too because whether it's college basketball, regular sports, everything, he is just gambling he did a lot of gambling for football too he is he's he's lights out thank god he's not employed by a college which I know. is nice because he can do all this shit yeah. i yeah he's he's been great i mean he uh well no he does he doesn't do like college basketball gambling he just does he did right all the yeah it was the football sp- yeah. sunday spreads were awesome yeah. they were really good um yeah basil's been really good and you made a great point um texted you on monday we've had a lot of people yeah fuck yeah, i want to write for you guys and it's like all right cool show an ounce of initiative nope nothing all right sounds good um basil has been our success story i think he's done a great job uh he comes to us with shit that yeah. he wants to do and we're like hell yeah man run with it let us know what you need and he's done a, a phenomenal job and maybe I'm, a college basketball podcast next season i that, under the network maybe let's not count it out yeah we will not count that out. And there's a big market for college basketball podcasts. Yeah. Cool stuff. Um, so speaking of college basketball, let's just let's get this out of the way. 
Let's just get it done. I feel like... God, I'm so fucking... Like, this is a chore, almost, to say your final four and speak it into existence. But, alas, here we are. So, uh, I don't know if you're ready. I'm ready if you want me to go first. I can start. Okay. Um, So, final four... Um, the one seeds are Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, and Baylor. What do you got for us? So this is my one bracket right now. I usually make a couple. I usually do a few drafts. Um, I don't know what's... I usually feel like I'm a little bit more prepared. I don't know. I, I, I still have some research to do. I have some notes. Well, isn't it nuts that this is by far the year that you and I followed college basketball the, the most? most? The most. And it's the hardest bracket I've probably ever had to fill out. It's one of the least confident right now, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, I'm I not still, confident I mean, in this. We still have at least all of, you know, you're listening to Wednesday, so I still have all of today to uh, go through stuff. But right now, my final four is Gonzaga, Baylor, mm-hmm. Texas, and West Virginia. Yeah. So two yeah. ones and two threes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like I say it and I'm like, I mean, I'll even tell you my my, my national championship. It's I have Gonzaga Baylor. I have Gonzaga Baylor. We're really about to be the same in like, what, six out of, I don't know. <laughs> and we didn't even consult each other. I know. The only one, I asked you about like two things when I was, because you made yours first and I was just like, oh yeah, like. What do you think about this like 11 play-in with like UCLA and, UCLA and Michigan? And what do you feel about Virginia with... Yeah. And it wasn't even like... And then we just came out. It's like, I think Gonzaga has a, a clear shot. I like Baylor's odds. A lot of people are keen on Illinois. I'm not saying I'm not, but I think they just have a tough bracket. Um, and then Michigan, I'm just... I think they are the team that gets bounced early. Whether it's uh yeah, it's interesting. A Bonnier and LSU that knocks him out, a Georgetown or Florida State. Uh, there's a lot of you know a lot of uh, interesting teams out of that East region. So you just made me change one of my picks. I don't know if you just saw that, but that Bonnie LSU. I feel like everyone's gut reaction was, yeah, the Bonnies, man, they're so good. They they like ran table on the A10. LSU's gonna kick the fuck out of them. Yeah. Like, there's, I don't think, and please freezing cold takes me on this if it doesn't work, but LSU, I think, is going to kick the shit out of them. Two different levels. I love Mark Schmidt on St. Uh, Bonaventure, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of brackets are just going to get busted in the first round. And yeah. everything else is just perfected, which normally happens. But, yeah, that's my final four. Um, and you have Gonzaga or Baylor. I have Gonzaga. Yep. I really just don't see anybody that can... Yeah. No, I'm just, just making grant, a statement. Yeah, no, granted, though, like Gonzaga, it's you know it was Gonzaga against the field all season. Um, they haven't lost yet. There's came a, damn close. Came though. damn close. Came damn close. And what Baylor only has one loss. Yeah, Baylor lost to um, who the hell did they lose to? I forget. It was in the it was in the tournament. So we could probably find out. Yeah, let's look. They lost to OSU. Oh, wait, and Kansas, too. Yeah, I forgot. They, they lost twice. They, they lost to Kansas in the regular season. So that's all I got for now with that. I'm just not too – I got to do a little bit more reading, a little bit more research. I mean, right now, there's some teams that are, like, bugging me to my core. Mm. Iowa's one of them. You know, I don't know why I'm so – I don't like Luca Garza. I have nothing <laughs> – What? I don't know why. I don't know why. You're a monster. No, I mean, he's fine. He's just, like – 
I think I just he's one of those guys that are just so good and he's been there for what four years. Like <laughs> so he's, you're just like fuck this guy. Yeah, I'm like, all right, can you just like go to the NBA and be like a second round, like a second round pick? But Iowa is one of those teams. Um, can you go back to the bracket? Yeah, I'm just right looking. Here. Texas Tech for some reason is just stumping me. I don't know why. I think it's just really they're like weird this year. Recency biasy too that they were in the championship two years ago. Against Virginia. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Uh, it was a good game. Oklahoma State, Ohio State. I still like the Georgetown buzz. I don't think they're going to go far, but I just like their buzz. There's just a few teams that like could be so interchangeable, but I still feel very confident it's going to be Gonzaga-Baylor. Yeah. Uh, so my final four, Gonzaga and Texas on one half, and then I have, which could change, Baylor and OSU the Oklahoma State University. Now, here's the thing. Oklahoma State has to get out of a bracket with Illinois, who people say is the strongest one seed that has one of the best guards and one of the best defenses in recent history. They have to beat Illinois. They have to beat... um, So they're going to have to beat Liberty. They're probably going to have to beat Tennessee. Then they're going to have to beat Illinois. And then on you, you have to put your money that either Houston or West Virginia will come out of that side. And Houston's not a strong two seed. Um, sorry, Jim Nance. He, I know he loves Houston. And that's his rooting interest in this tournament. But Oklahoma State and West Virginia is bound to happen in the Elite Eight for the third time this year. And Oklahoma State is 2-0 and in those games. So I think if Oklahoma State picks off Illinois, they're going to beat West Virginia. But the other side of that is what gives. You know, is this finally it? So I've got Baylor beating Oklahoma State, uh, Gonzaga beating Texas, Gonzaga beating Baylor by four. I yeah. think we're, we're, we're destined for that. And then Michigan-Texas, too. That's going to be a weird matchup if Texas gets that far and if Michigan Shaka's gets smart, that far. Man. Shaka is the most weird, like, coach in the league. He's just weird. I don't get his vibe. He goes out and absolutely crushes teams that are better than his, and then the, he loses to bad teams. He's got bad losses this year. And then, you know, they of course, that's given that they beat Alabama or UConn, too. Ugh. That's a tough... That that whole looking at that East region, I mean, I'm still thrown off by that 11 seed play-in with Michigan State and UCLA. And I guess it's more of like yeah. the name. You know, you have an Izzo. You have a historic team like UCLA. And oh, my God. Like, and then BYU's favored 71-29 to 29 to beat the, the winner of that game? Spare me. Yeah. You have Izzo versus Mick Cronin. Like, oh, my that's God. That's a great game to start off. I mean, we already touched upon the LSU St. Bonnie's. Uh, I mean, Creighton, I think, is the probably the heavy favorite against Colorado at the 12-5, which is funny. It Maryland is. is not a team to sleep on. UConn's been hot. That's going to be very, very interesting. And then you get it. You have Alabama and Iona. I mean, you just heard Sam Basil say his psycho pick, and I think he's going to go with it. Is Patino? Um, oh, for the love of God! You heard my reaction to that too. I'm like, Sam, get the fuck off this show. I mean, <laughs> like, get off the show. Don't hate it if it happens. I know, and it can. That's the thing. Either Alabama's going to win by 95, or <laughs> Iona's going to win. Alabama's not going to win in a close game. I think if it's a close game, it's going to be. I think it's going to be Iona. I hate this. What does America say? Probably nothing crazy. Yeah, dude, 7% of the yeah. nation picking Iona? No way. I'm excited. I'm very excited for this because this is long overdue. 
Um, we can't end the episode without talking about football real quick. Free agency. The Patriots are shelling out money for guys. They have two of the top tight ends on the market now in Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. And there weren't a ton of other, like, teams that made huge moves, relatively speaking to the Patriots, because they had no tight ends and then they signed two of them and they added some pass rushers and all that stuff. Patriots are the clear winner a day into this, um, you know, free agency period. But, you know, there's been a lot of movement. It's the bottom line here in the NFL. Yeah, the Jaguars made some moves. Uh, I think the big headliner for them is uh, Shaquille Griffin from the Seahawks. Yep. Um, the Bengals made some moves. Nothing really particular. A lot of quarterback movement. We have Andrew Dalton going to the Bears. I didn't see the Bills tied up with Sanders. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders to the Bills. Um, the Bears did not trade Russell Wilson. They don't plan on it. There's no trade speculation with Deshaun Watson yet. Saints bring back Jameis Winston. Winston. And then this weird contract with Taysom Hill that's like pretty much pretend money, but also could be $140 million. Oh, Titans grabbed Janoris Jenkins. Oh, he's a dick. He's a dick. <laughs> Um, not a lot of movement. I mean, heading over to New York with the Jets and Giants. The Jets got Corey Davis. They also landed Carl Lawson, I believe. I forgot the Chiefs also cut Damian Williams. That's some big news. Eh, he opted out. So he did, yeah. but the thing is, he's going to get snatched up, and he's probably going to get paid a decent amount of money, too, just yeah. literally for his Super Bowl performance. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs, their big win was getting Joe Thune. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, big win, sure, but they spent a bunch of money for a lineman. You have to now. I you guess. have to. You have to. For a lineman like him. You have to. Um, the Giants, they tagged Leonard Williams, which was a must. Uh, wanted to work at a long-term deal, which they did. Ended up paying him about... Three years with 21 a year. I think it's a little much. Leonard Williams is that guy that there's no one really on the free agent market besides maybe Shaq Barrett that could have filled that void. And his production over the past two seasons or season and a half has been really, really great. He fits the scheme well. He is doing so, so phenomenally well in Patrick Graham's system. He wants to be in New York. I'm, I don't hate the move. I didn't realize how much of a cap dumpster Dave Gettleman brought the Giants in and how they need to make things work. They brought in John Ross, speedy receiver from the Bengals. Not amazing. I mean, it's a name, cheap contract, whatever. Um, my all eyes, if they don't land Kenny Galladay as their number one wide receiver, then they better, better land one in the draft in a Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, or... Lamar Chase, or Kyle Pitts, that tight end out of Florida. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more mock later. And on the defensive side, I mean, if they can get like a Hassan Reddick or a Kyle Van Noy, that'd be great. Because they missed out on Bud Dupree, who signed a monster deal with the Titans. Yeah. And I'm not going to say we put this into existence, but a woozy did sign with the Bengals. Which is crazy. He was our franchise cornerback. Awuzie. He had like seven pick sixes in one year. I think three in one game or some crazy shit with the Bengals, who we took to the Super Bowl two years in a row in Madden, yeah. humble brag. And we signed Awuzie, and he was our guy. Now he's with the Bengals. I'm not saying he's going to be the best cornerback of all time, but he... It's a solid move. The case has been built. It is a solid move. You know who's a free agent wide receiver from the Bengals? Green? AJ Green. 
you know who's looking for a wide receiver right now? Uh, everyone? I was going to say the past, but they really don't. <laughs> they but don't. They, no, they're not. Yeah. They probably will. I mean, the, I bet you Bill will be like, all right, I'll give you two million bucks. And I'll be like, I'd love to. Yeah. yeah, why not? The Pats aren't done. The Pats landed. Now they're up to something. The Pats, you know, they brought back Cam Newton. They got those two tight ends in Henry and Smith. They got Kendrick Bourne, Alshon Jeff, uh, or no, Aguilar. Now Nelson Aguilar. Um, that would be sick if they had Alshon yeah, Jeffrey, right? too. What is this, 2010? Yeah. <laughs> so he landed up the offense. They traded back for Trent Brown. Landed Matthew Judon. Brought some guys back. The dude from the Dolphins. I Jalen Mills. His name. Yep, Mills is good. They, they're on to something. I don't know. Like, I feel like he is going to go get a running back now, too. Maybe Leonard Fournette? Well, they say Fournette, and I think Williams would be worth a call, too, because he's going to be probably a lot less than Fournette will be. Fournette's going to be the highest-paid running back of this year by far. I don't think that's a question uh, of the free agents, I should say. But, I mean, there's some options out there, and I don't think Bill's going to let anything go by the wayside. No. They he's, got, he's up lot. to something. Yeah, they spent a ton of money. And maybe he'll even trade up. Maybe he's going to say, you know, I'm taking this quarterback and I'm going to have Cam Newton mentor him or something. Uh, but I, <laughs> I don't know who you want this dude to learn from Cam Newton, like who that guy is. Like, imagine if they drafted Mac Jones. They're like, all right, Cam Newton's going to mentor you. That kid would be in the dirt in two years. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I am excited for Cam and I don't mind that he's back on a one-year, like, $13 million deal. That's fine with me because I have been very clear about my wants and needs for this team, and it is, please get the man some goddamn weapons. He had nothing last year. It's unfair to say, Kim sucks. He's so bad, blah, blah, blah. I get it. It's fine. Those feelings are there. They were there for all of us at one point. But as long as we're spending money, we, I, I'm not a patriot, as long as the Patriots are spending money to throw some weapons around him, uh, sign me up, man. I don't really care who's at quarterback unless they, you know, physically can't throw the football. Like, if Tua was on the team, I'd be gone. Like, if there's a cornerback that, or if there's a quarterback that just rushes all day and can't throw the football, that's a problem. That was kind of Cam last year. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with some some good weapons. Nothing. Nobody's great. But they're good. And maybe the Patriots' tight end, uh, you know, two tight end situation is the way the scheme was meant to be done without Tom Brady. I don't know. With and without Tom Brady. Guess we'll find out. I'm excited for John o. Smith. Big dude. Yeah. No. Had a good time in the Titans, too. It's pretty good. I'm excited for football. Uh, and it's April. It's not even April yet. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's March 17th. Well, wow. uh, draft's coming up. We'll have a lot more when the time comes for there. We'll do Positivity Corner, and then we will close out our Bracket Breakdown episode. Yeah, so Positivity Corner. Uh, this week marks one year since the pandemic struck. Uh, it's been a crazy, tumultuous time. A lot of ups, a lot of downs, a lot, a lot of downs. A lot of unfortunates, but one thing that has been positive is... In a recent survey, 52% of Americans say they volunteered for the first time during the pandemic. Um, in fact, 52% reported volunteering in their communities for the very first time brought them a sense of happiness and sense of relief during these tough times. Uh, whether it was delivering food to essential workers, volunteering to help the elderly, um, donating to a food pantry, all of the, whatever it might be, 
more Americans decided to help rather than just sulk in during these sad times. Uh, a lot of people got new hobbies. A lot of people started new businesses. We did both. We also volunteered and we also donated a lot. And we hope to continue that not only this year, but for years to come. And it's nice to see that the American people are taking a negative and coming out and making it a positive and doing so many good things for helping those in needs. I mean, one of the biggest ones that I saw, it's got to be the Barstool Fund. The yeah. Barstool Fund raised, you know, $40 million for hundreds of businesses to keep them afloat. You have a ton of people, you know, donating to essential workers, making sure that they're uh, fed during all the craziness, whether it's hospital workers or EMTs, whatever it might have been. A lot of good things going on, and there's still some good hope in the world, especially with all the negativity, uprising, unrest, etc. American people can still do good. Yeah. That's positivity. That's some good positivity there. That's really good. Um, yeah, I used to do a lot of volunteer work. Obviously, I haven't really been able to do a ton this year, but we, we've found ways, and we've... Um, done a little bit of good which is um which is enough to keep us satisfied to and coming back for more when when everything comes back to normal that is episode 45 exciting news for consumer products next week very exciting stuff um and we're gonna be dishing out some codes so if you need some gifts if you need to surprise somebody you got a new partnership that might be able to help and we'll we'll drop that next week that's episode 45. Uh, let us know how your brackets did. Keep a bottle of kerosene nearby. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, everybody. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.